I got offered a role in EastEnders. And I was genuinely like, I don't know who I thought I was, and I was like, EastEnders is too small for me. I ended up working at uh, Unilad. Yep. Uh, yeah. I was a producer there, then yeah. head of production. Did a bit of a stint at Lab Bible. Yeah. I've been through some rough times, and yeah. it's that, mate, going in and going, and everyone, like, yeah. that for me is so hard to do. On the podcast today, welcoming George Cowan from Cowshed Collective. Used to be called Cowshed Social. We did. It? And then it's now Cowshed Collective. Yes. How come the change of name? Uh, so first of all, like people weren't really sure what we did. Right. Okay. Because like we started from like a production background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then people saw us as like a social agency yeah. only. And it was like, yeah, we do social management and stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. But yes, yeah, so we split it out. So we've now got four companies in a collective. Right. And they all operate. I don't want to get too sort of nerdy here. No, no, like do, different yeah. P&Ls and stuff. Yeah. So it's very separate businesses now. So okay. we've got Cowshed Studios, which is our yeah. production company. Cowshed Social still, yeah, which yeah. is now our social agency. Yeah. Cowshed Creators, which obviously your world. In my um, world, yeah. And then Cowshed Ventures as got well. Got you, okay. So yeah. And which one do you now, are you like, is equally invested your time into each of those? Or is it like you focus on one of them more than the other? Yeah, I try to like, even though like the four companies are split out, like you still they service each other yeah, yeah so you've got people that are working at studios but that yeah. were servicing like creators or ventures so yeah yeah for me i look across everything really yeah yeah mate that's wild to see because when did you guys start four years ago that's now. incredible so four companies in four years basically yeah i mean <laughs> it's a bit of a cheat we can just split <laughs> yeah. one out into four anyone can do that but yeah. i mean yeah it's, yeah it's a good way of doing it yeah how like i always take it back to the beginning of how you kind of started to so, like talk to me about like you growing up like were you always entrepreneurial like how yeah 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 do you know what like even at school yeah like the I kids was, selling sweets i was the kid you said everyone says that on a podcast yeah, and yeah. Then, but i really was yeah. <laughs> what sweets <laughs> Oh, mate, all sorts. <laughs> all sorts. Usually uh, strawberry laces. They went yeah. down a treat, mate. Yeah, like George, George you can hide them in the blazer as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually got told off what I got caught for doing it as well. My teacher made they me... They hate it, don't they? Don't yeah, well, the, the teacher made me share the sweets out to the class and I had to sit there and watch my, my profits. <laughs> oh, wait, they didn't even pay for them? Gone for free? Yeah, I gave them out and I was like, oh, a few in. But good lesson. Good lesson. Good lesson. But, uh, yeah, so like, I was always growing up like trying to do bits and bobs yeah, yeah. and... Um, Sound like a criminal, it went like that. But um, <laughs> yeah, as soon as I, I, yeah. I didn't go uni or anything, I left school because I knew I just wanted yeah. to go straight into business. And yeah, I was yeah. always a little bit, I was quite stubborn yeah. when I was younger. Yeah, seems like a common trait in a lot of entrepreneurs. Yeah, and I saw yeah. I saw people kind of doing it already. Mm. And I was like, well, I could do that. Yeah. Like this was in production. Right, okay, because that's how you started. You got into production. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I went through like, I was a runner and then production assistant, you know, and then kind of moved. You, you earned your stripes then. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like a lot of people just think you just magically like jump yeah. into this position. Because they it's only like... see you when you're when it's like doing really, really well. Yeah. But like you've probably had five, six, seven, eight years of oh, like yeah, 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 and the rest now. Yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. literally, as soon as I stepped out of school, I went into running. So you were about eighteen. Yeah, yeah. Right, I did okay. sixth form. Actually, no, I was seventeen. Oh, really? I did one year of sixth form. <laughs> I like, did, I'm out. Yeah, I did. I did complete the A levels, but coursework right. not so much. <laughs> No, this isn't for me. This isn't for yeah, me. Yeah, so I was already working. And I yeah. think back then I was like, I'm earning all right now. Yeah. Why am I, Why am I studying? Why am I going to step back? And, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, I'm doing it already. What Were, were your or school or college or wherever you were at, were they quite open to you doing stuff outside of school? Or were they trying to make you like Not, do your studies? Well, actually, like even before production, right. I used to act as well. No. Yeah, shit. yeah. I mean, everyone tried at school, <laughs> didn't they? But um I actually remember I got offered a role in EastEnders. Really? And I was genuinely like, I don't know who I thought I was. And I was like, EastEnders are too small for me. <laughs> back then, you want to be someone, yeah. you know, a bit, like, no disrespect to someone no, back no, then. No. But I was like, no, I could do more with this. And oh, uh, the school kind of like didn't even let me do that, really. Like, I, I remember really? my drama teacher going, no, like, don't, I don't hey, want you to do that. you could have been a, you know, a huge actor by now. I mean, could have been Ben Mitchell. So I actually know the role as well. And I really know the guy now. Oh, really? That plays the role, yeah. So. I guess that's a good like starting question for me then is were you was that your passion to begin with acting or was yeah, it just something you were trying out I was kind of like because I was oh, I'd like to think I was fairly good at it right yeah. so I, I used to do yeah. anything around production yeah because like 
I enjoyed cameras. Yeah. I enjoyed the producing. I enjoyed being in front of the camera. It's just yeah, like yeah. being on a set was just, I loved it from yeah. like day one. Yeah. Like I even remember like in drama class and then media studies, I used to like rent out the cameras from school and go and make like my own things. Right, and right, yeah, yeah. Just playing about and seeing kind of what you can do. Um, so yeah, that was my passion from like but day did you one. Push, like after the EastEnders, mm. the rejection, did you, did you pursue it, the acting? Uh, for a bit. Right. For a bit. So yeah. basically, so how like we, how I got into this whole thing really was um, I made a TV pilot. Right. Okay. Uh, so I wrote it with a friend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, produced it. Yeah. And then obviously placed myself in it as the main role. Of course, as you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Solid. Then, yeah, exactly. And then it got picked up by an American TV network. Right. Um, annoyingly never commissioned. It got through option stages. And if you've yeah. been in that world, mate, that, it drags for years, yeah, yeah, years yeah. and years. And then they wanted it to be like fully American. Right. And it kind of like back then it was just like, I mean, my show what was still it about? Getting made. What was the concept? It was like a in between as meets American Pie. It was like when right, you could probably yeah. get away with a lot more than you can now. I'd <laughs> like, love to see the script. Get cancelled so yeah. quick now. <laughs> um, so yeah, we did that. So yeah, they they picked it up in America and were developing it, and I kind of lost a bit of passion during that because I, I I kind of saw what that world was actually like. Yeah. I think you're you're a little bit blinkered when it's like yeah, yeah. I think everyone thinks it's going to be all glamorous and what you realise is it's just not yeah, yeah. You, you're talking to people that probably can't even relate to your script yeah, and you yeah. get a lot of knockbacks and and that's actually when I was like I just want to do this myself mm. I'll take it. and I think that's where it probably came from yeah. like the whole like entrepreneurial thing was yeah, like yeah. I'll just do it myself then a lot a lot of people that I speak to not just on the podcast but just other entrepreneurs it usually comes from a frustration with something mm. frustration with dealing with something in your life and you're like i'm just gonna do this myself a hundred percent mate yeah like if like, yeah. you're probably yeah. the same yeah. right it's just like we, we we were doing brand side and we were just working with talent agencies and i was just there was so there's so many great talent agencies but there's so many just like oh, i can't do this anymore mm -hmm. like you're not replying or you're rejecting things too quickly or yeah. all that kind of stuff so it was the same kind of thing so you rejected EastEnders. <laughs> you you um, had the commission or the nearly commission in the US. Mm. Then how does how was Cowshed the first business that you started, or was there anything before that? No, there was loads before that. Yeah. So that was like when I was I was 18, 19. Right. Because I had that happened fairly quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just managed to like yeah. Basically, I pitched my script to an investor. And yeah. They gave me. I was like super lucky back then. Mad. But then no, I, I then when I made another film, yeah, off the back of that, right, and then that was the thing that kickstarted me and kind of like gave me a bit of a step up, and it was yeah. like an anti-bullying campaign, yeah, yeah, kind of based on kind of my experiences at school, yeah. um, and then we sold that to a charity, right. It's actually still played in schools now, weirdly, really? like years later, That's yeah. Mad. But yeah, long story short, yeah, we yeah. met somebody there that. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but that same person then got us back as Cowshed a few years later. Right, okay. But in between that, yeah. I ended up working at uh, Unilad. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was a producer there, then yeah. the head of production. Did a bit of a stint at Lab Bible. Yeah. Did a load of freelance stuff. What was that like? Because I've got that in my questions that I was going to ask you later, but we might as well talk about it now. What was that like in, in such a big organization? Was it big then? How big was it? Yeah, Is I it? think when I was there, there was probably, I want to say like 150 people. Yeah but split between London and Manchester. Right, okay. So I was in charge of just the London production. Right. So it was like the branded stuff, yeah, yeah. more commercial. Yeah. Um, what was that like, that whole experience? Yeah, it was good. Like, I loved it. Yeah. Like, I genuinely loved it. Like, And obviously Lab Bible bought Unilad. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I can't say too much, but yeah, things changed. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think that was the minute I was just like, I, I just want to do it myself now. Mm. Um, not that there was like, you know, red tape or anything like that. It definitely mm. wasn't that. Like, it's such a good company to work with, but um, it's very different. It's just that difference of like, and this isn't hating on any company in the world, but as soon as you're doing it for somebody else or somebody buys somebody else, there's, there's a lack of decision-making that you have. Mm. So that, yeah. there's ideas in your head and you're like, I can't maybe implement this anymore. Yeah, Is that fair to say? Yeah, and especially like the whole Unilad and Lab Bible thing, like you mm. were stepping into Lab Bible. Yeah. And it was like, you know, that Spider-Man meme when you're just looking at people. I was like, there's, there's people doing my role there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so I'm a bit like, where do I slot in here? Yeah. Uh, so going, yeah. going back, you mentioned something then, that the anti-bullying campaign mm. was based on your experiences at school. Yeah. 
talk to me about that a bit. Like, what what were those experiences like? Yeah, so it's probably it's probably the other way round of what a lot of people say. Like, I wasn't bullied yeah. at all. I'd yeah. say that straight away. Yeah. I'm not playing that victim card. Yeah. I was basically at school a bit of like a not like a menace. Like it weren't like I was just like just naughty. Yeah, yeah. Just stubborn. Yeah, yeah, just like I said, yeah. basically. And then I got into like the wrong crowd. Right. Okay. And at the time, it was like looking back, going, "Well, you thought you were just like terrorizing, you know, like like you do at school." Yeah, but yeah. then, basically, when I left, you look back and you're like, "Was that perceived as bullying? Like you probably made someone's life pretty miserable." Um, and then, so the whole film was based on that um, about right. how you can sort of fall into the wrong crowd and you get wrapped up in that. Even that though your like heart mo- might be in the right yeah. place, and you think you know you, you know that's wrong. Yeah, but you. You do it anyway. You do it anyway because you're influenced by everyone around you. It's like mob you, mentality, you know? really. Oh, big it? time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the film was a bit wild. It was like a body swap thing and it was, yeah, weird. <laughs> it's interesting you say about being a bit of a menace in school and, and whatnot. But I, again, talking to other business owners, like it's quite rare that I've come across people that, I'm not saying that everybody was a menace, but they're always a bit of a different, a bit mm. of an outsider, but then also, you know, can get along with people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think... I, it takes a type of person, I think. I think yeah. that's probably why. I think like yeah. you're very headstrong, I think, and you've yeah, got to yeah. be. Yeah. Um, but I think I used to be more headstrong back then. Really? Yeah. Like, even though I've run a business now, yeah. I've turned softer. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm awful. That is so funny you say that because I was speaking to Amy, my wife, who's my co-founder, um, who you've met. Um, yeah. And I w- she was saying to me, there's, there's times where I have got softer over the years of running a business and I always like to be like no I can be tough I can be strong I can make decisions but I think I was saying to her I was trying to figure out why that is Mm. and nine times out of ten I think it's because you end up connecting to your team so much you're with them every day Mm. so to actually be too strong with them is pretty difficult it's so tough isn't it and I I think people don't see that side of it I think like you obviously want to build a bond with your team yeah yeah but then there's also got to be line, some yeah. line because like, yeah. I'm awful, mate. I like, I get myself in trouble on podcasts because I just say it how it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very like, yeah. you can't do that no. to your team because there's always a reason behind yeah. why you're doing something. Yeah. And I just want to sit there and tell them absolutely everything you can't. Yeah. It's just like, has got to be a level of that. So yeah, it's yeah. really tough, but I'm like, I, I'm very like, I'm a people person. So I've really like yeah. sympathized, empathized with yeah. people. And it's just like, oh God, I'm not. Yeah, the amount of time I'll go back and just stress out in my own head. Yeah. Like, there's a it's, lot of that. It, it, so sometimes with me, it's, I think, and, and I never thought that I was like this, but I've, I've, since running a business, I've realized that I am more like this. I, I think I like I like people liking me. Mm. And sometimes that's to my detriment. And I'm like, I'm just not going to handle this in the way I know I should because I just don't want them to get pissed off at me. Yeah, yeah. And I I think that that's something that you've got to work on as you grow as a, as anybody as a human, but as a business owner, you've got to figure that out because mm-hmm. you can't be hoping everybody like, just in general life, you can't help hope that everybody likes you all the time. Yeah. It's just never going to work out. Yeah. How did the idea then for Cowshed, and I'm going off tangent a bit, but how did the idea for Cowshed come about? Yeah, so it was during my time at LAD. Yeah. Um, like basically, we saw a bit of a gap in the market, right? So yeah. There was like a lot of brands spending a lot of media money to advertise their services on publishers. Yeah. And at the time we were going, well, there's that side, sorry. I'm jumping out a little bit. There was that side. And then the other side of it was you're spending money with creators, which mm. is great. That's what you do. Yeah. And then the other side was you're making ads mm. on your own platforms. Yeah. So we were going, why are you not rolling that all into one? Mm. Why don't you take your media money make actual entertainment content mm. for your own channels yeah. and attach creators to that. Mm. And it, without saying it wipes out all of the, the publishers and people like that, yeah. but there's, you know, make content for yourself and make yourself famous, yeah. you know, build up that yeah. brand loyalty yourself. Yeah. You know, because when someone, if you watch content on say a publisher, mm. you remember it as, oh, did you see this on Lab Bible? Did you yeah. see this on Channel 4? You don't go, oh, did you see this Lynx? Or did you see this KFC yeah. ad? Yeah, like, yeah. It's, not, it's never that. Yeah. So it was like, well, do it for yourself. So yeah, our thing was like, how do we make entertainment content for brands? Mm. And it was using like my social and production background and then Ryan, my business partner, yeah. he's from a TV background. I was going to say, how did you meet Ryan then? He, uh, so going all the way back again, yeah. <laughs> like going all the way back. Yeah. Um, so I went to school with his brother 
Right, okay. And then we ended up working at a gym together. Right. This was during six form. Yeah, and yeah. I used to do like bits of fitness instructing on the side. Okay. Um, and it was actually when I was talking about the anti-bullying film in right. the staff room, he overheard and was like, oh, I'd love to get involved. He ended up being a runner yeah, yeah, on yeah. that. Yeah. And he turned up three hours late on his first day. And I thought, <laughs> that's, that's my future business partner. He's exactly who I need. <laughs> that's what yeah, I need. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we just carried on working together all the time. Yeah. Um, and then he was, you know, kind of done with his job. I was done with mine. And it was like, well, use your TV knowledge, yeah. production and social, and we'll join up and create kind of like longer form content. How difficult was it in the, in the early days? Because I know how difficult it was for us just to have anybody even fucking reply to us mm. on an email? Like, what was it like you two at the, right at the beginning? Uh, it was, do you know what? Like, honest truth, yeah. me and Ryan never set out yeah. to really build like a business business. It, yeah, was, okay. it was basically like, I had my skills. So I used to produce and direct. Yeah. He would shoot and edit. Yeah. And we were just like, you know, a two person team. It was yeah, just yeah. pick up little bits. Yeah. And we got like, I'd say lucky, but I think you need to obviously deliver to- It needs to be in the right place at the yeah, right time. So the, like I mentioned earlier, the guy that worked at the anti-bullying charity yeah. ended up working at a brand. Right. And he hired us for our first job. Right, okay. As Cowshed. Yeah. And we did one video and then thanks to him, like we owe quite a lot to him actually. Yeah. He booked us for like the whole year. Right, okay. So straight away we yeah, had a retainer yeah. in place. We're good to go. Yeah. Um, but then finding other work, it was just like pinged out a few messages, be like, look, we'll do one video for you. Yeah. And then again, they would rebook for loads and it kind of just went like that. So yeah. oh, it's always hard. Like it's never like, you don't just jump mm. into it, but yeah. it was very like learning. Why do you go. think they, cause I think a lot of people hear this and be like, how do I, how do I get to that point where they rebook? Mm. Cause everybody can do the outreach. Well, not outreach, but everyone can do the outreach well, of like reaching out to, to, prospective clients but what is it do you think is the big reason about why they rebooked is it like the quality of work do you think like yeah like, I, I know how high quality is and maybe you won't say it but do you think it is that yeah i think we, we we take and we always will take a lot of pride in like the output yeah where we're from like a content background and like that's our yeah. niche we make content that people are sound like so cheesy because it's our strap line that people yeah. want to watch yeah, yeah but like it was that and that's, and obviously delivering a good service as yeah. in like relationship with client, but it was just make your content as good as possible. Mm. Get those organic views, yeah. show the results. Yeah. We go again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we did really find a niche, mm. you know, like there's, there's a lot of like van uh, vanity metrics, like for yeah, yeah. ads. Yeah, yeah. Ours wasn't that, it was like, let's actually drive engagement. Mm. You know, we want people to share the content and actually want to watch it. Yeah. And that just delivered. How important has it been because I've got a co-founder, as I said, how important has it been for you to start a business with a co-founder and having that, whether it's having a sounding board, as we were talking about on the way up here, like you both do very different things. Like how important has it been for you to have Ryan? Oh, mate, like it's, it's like invaluable. Like, yeah. I genuinely don't think mm. I could have done it on my own. Yeah. Like all the things you mentioned there, like soundboarding, like... Mm. If half the things we had done were just left to me, I would just be in my own head yeah. and I'd overthink everything. Yeah, yeah. And like, and also you don't want to, I mean, yours are different. Your wife is your co-founder, yeah. but like, I don't want to go home and start talking about it with, that you know, the, family. The and worst, that. It's like, At the moment, she's she's just coming back from maternity leave. So I'll get home. I'm like, I'm just going to, going to get in bed, watch some TV. And she's like, have you seen this ad that someone's done? I'm like, can you not, can you not <laughs> really now, please? Yeah, yeah. But like, but where we benefited, and I think like, it's kind of advice to people as well, like your, your co-founder, one you've got to have like trust in. Yeah, obviously. implicitly, yeah. But I think the number one thing to do is split out your roles and responsibilities mm. straight away. Yeah. Like sometimes there's, there's no point in just doubling up on everything. No, no, no. Like you do your thing, I'll do my thing. Yeah. And you know, you're splitting the load. What, what do you do two more. split up? Because I know we were talking about on the way up here, but for everyone mm. who's listening and watching, what are your two niches that you focus on? Yes, yeah, so we do a really cheesy thing called Today and Tomorrow. I said it the yeah, other way up. I love it. Yeah, so he does the dealing with everything that's ongoing. Yeah. So we booked, he'll make sure that's delivered properly. Yeah. And like the output's good and yeah, yeah. You know, operationally it's good. Yeah. And then the back end, all the fun stuff, the 
the accounts. And then I'm forward facing. Yeah. So it's anything like in the future, like marketing, new business, meeting people, yeah. going out and kind of just speaking about the business. Yeah. Sounds like I don't do a lot, but it's. <laughs> no, but it's equally as important. Yeah. Did, did you ever do that with us? Did you ever do the today side? Of yeah, yeah, at the beginning. Yeah, yeah at the beginning. Yeah, at the beginning, you do muck it. You have to do everything. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was doing all of the producing, yeah, yeah. directing, myself, creative. I would be doing the decks. Yeah. So, you know, like all the pitching, that was like my side. Yeah. So there was a lot of that as well it's mad when you first start you have to do so much you have to design your website you have to do your logo you have to do the pitching emails like and that i've i've spoke to a lot of founders who don't have co-founders and i generally sometimes don't know how they do it no it's nah. it's why because you've got to effectively be good at every aspect of a business and that is frankly impossible there's no way that you can be good I know there are people that are good at operations and then more, let's say, the creative side of things. But to truly be amazing at each of those things, it's pretty impossible. Oh, it's, it's impossible. Yeah. It is a, like, you get the odd person, but that's yeah. a rarity. Very like, rare. I'm always like, and I think our success, I think, has been from hiring people to do the jobs that we are rubbish at. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I'll hold my yeah. hands up and yeah, say yeah. Yeah. the things I'm rubbish at. And I'm like, well, that's a gap we need to plug yeah because it's taken me say eight hours yeah to do something yeah. it'll take them one yeah and that frees up loads more of my time to then go out and yeah. sell more or talk to more people whatever it is so that's how we viewed it it was always like cost per like <laughs> per hour <laughs> yeah, that i'm yeah. getting back yeah it's true though because also there are things that you can do that are intangible like only you can sell cow sheds people mm. like you can yeah you can hire a sales rep or whatever it may be but they're never going to be able to, no one will ever buy into them as much as they'll buy into you. Yeah, so yeah. why are you spending your time doing something that frankly, and I'm not saying you're not good at these things, but maybe you're not as great at the accounts. Like why would you be doing the Oh, account? I'm rubbish at that. That's, that's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> but that's one of the things like I was, I can't remember what I was doing recently. I was, I was posting on socials on our social account and it took me, I know it sounds terrible because I manage social media creators, but it took me ages to figure out how to do this like tag on Instagram. And I'm like, why am I doing this? This makes no sense. So we go hire a social media manager. But I think one of the things that I always find interesting when companies like yourself are growing, because a lot of small companies and startups now will be going through a similar thing is, how do you attract good talent before you're a good company? Mm. Because when we were going, when we were first starting, it, we couldn't hire amazing talent managers from the best agencies. We got really, again, lucky that we hired some really good young people that we've effectively trained up to be incredible talent managers. Yeah. But how did you, what was your experience like of attracting good talent in the yeah, early days? For us, I mean, like it was more, I'm trying to think about it, it was a good question. They really thought about it like yeah. that. Like, I think it's like selling the vision. Mm. And I think if people believe in that, you can attract people. Yeah. But it's such a like yeah. such a tough position to be in. I yeah. don't know about you, whether you've taken investment or whatever. We we no, didn't. No. Yeah, yeah, we didn't at all. So we couldn't afford yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. So it was like you go for and it's no disrespect to anyone, you go for slightly junior people, don't yeah. you? But then yeah. over time you go oh, They're great. Yeah, 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 like they're unbelievable. So And they become part of your culture. And they exactly. Learn. Whereas if you if you did bring in somebody and, and they're amazing I know you've brought in people from big agencies. Yeah, now, now we have, yeah. Now, and and they obviously have bought into your culture, but there is a, a fear that you will bring in those people mm. and they won't buy into it. Yeah. So it is good to to train from from when you're younger. I just think it's an interesting one because I've spoke to entrepreneurs and I've had people on the podcast and that everybody talks about and it is the key is getting the right people mm. i think a lot of people who are starting up are going but i can't afford those people and i think that's why like you're saying training people up yeah is, tra is key. it's key and also like you do have to take the risk sometimes like at first you look at it and go hiring this one person you're like oh that's a lot out of our uh own, <laughs> yeah. own pay package yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? but then it's like yeah but what does that again going back to yeah. How much time does the that time free you up to go and get more business? Yeah. And that legals more. Yeah. And we took a lot of risks. Like looking back, yeah. some of the things we've done, I'm like, oh, that was a risky bit paid off. It's like naive, it's like being naive. It's it's the mm. bliss of being naive. Like yeah. there are decisions again that we the same thing that we've made. And I go, 
if I actually knew what I was doing back then, I never would have taken that risk. Mm. Even starting the business. Do you know um, Harry Hugo from Go? Yeah, Go, yeah. So the reason my outreach started is because I was on a call with Harry Hugo before I'd even started this. And I was saying, how do you get brand deals? And he was telling me that he would like speak to KSI and KSI would be like, I'm doing a poker night. Can you get like 888 poker to sponsor it? And I in my head was like, I can fucking do that. I can call <laughs> someone not knowing that he was probably on a retainer with these brands mm. but that naivety back then is almost what you need to start a business because i think if people f- knew what it actually took they just wouldn't start uh, honestly mate yeah. like, i actually look back right and i've actually said this to our team as well like if if i had measured it out yeah and gone you know like roi and really worked it out <laughs> yeah. that, i wouldn't have done any of no. it because i'm like <laughs> that'd be a stupid <laughs> eye <laughs> But it's, it's worked out yeah. every time. Yeah. Um, so it is that. It's just taking a punt and just being mad but sometimes. I think, I think like like you said, you didn't set out to, to start this big business, mm. which means, which seems to imply, I should say, that you didn't have a strategy in place of like a five-year plan and we're going to build this. But I also think that's, a, unless you're building a very like niche business and product, I think that's quite a rarity these days. I think the best businesses evolve and they, I've yeah. heard this from like so many people. My father-in-law, who's a great mentor of mine, always says like businesses evolve and you just figure it out step by step. Yeah, you do. Like if we were to put a five-year plan yeah. together from day one, yeah. I don't actually think we'd be as far ahead as yeah. we are now. Yeah, yeah, Because you're, you're not adaptable. Yeah, it was like... Well, we've done it now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh my God, like when you've got financial advisors coming and mentors and stuff, everyone's like, what's your five-year plan? What's your, what's your get out? Everyone asks you. Like, I know. I want a bloody leg. People come in, yeah, people come in and they're like, what's your five-year plan? And you feel obliged to answer it. And in yeah. my head, I'm like, I just want to keep growing. And yeah, like, I think that it, it's safe to say you need to set a vision yeah. for everyone. And yeah, I, yeah. I think like, that's one of the mistakes we did actually. Like looking back, we probably didn't set the, obviously I just said about attracting talent, but like vision in terms of, What's the next step? You yeah. can't just keep saying like, yeah. we'll just keep doing this, yeah. but better and, and more. Like yeah. you need a bit more than that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was. <laughs> if you have that, I think you're good. How, how do you get your team to buy into that vision then? Because it's all well and good like setting it out, but how do you make them buy into it? Is it a case of getting them to help you create that vision? Yeah, yeah. 100% that, yeah. We, we get a lot of input from people. Like, yeah. like so we... Basically, we'll go out and ask people. Yeah, like, where do you think the company's going? Right. Like, what would I? I, I use this thing sometimes. It's like, right, Cowshed is yours, right? Yeah. Where are you going? Yeah. What's your business plan? Yeah. So it's good to see like what your own team perceive mm. you as. Yeah. Because if they don't say what we're thinking, yeah, it's like either we haven't conveyed the messaging properly, or they're just not right for you. And I think yeah. that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think when people just do not share the vision. I brutally said it in a stand-up once and I was a bit like, oh, was that too far? But I was like, if you don't believe in where we're going, leave. And it weren't like, a, get, I want you get to. out. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. more like, no, I'll help you. Yeah. Do whatever you want to do. Yeah. But you might want to go and set up your own business. I'll support that. Yeah. But genuinely, if you're not, if you don't believe in what the company you work for is doing, then leave. I yeah. say that to everyone. And yeah. it hasn't got to be a bitter thing. It's just like, well, Did anybody leave? Yeah, everyone. <laughs> <I'm not kidding. laughs> everyone walked out and I was like, shit, come back. It's only me and Ryan now. No. Um, you know, you've you got a few people that want to do slightly different things. Like, yeah. For example, like I won't name names, but some people want to do like commercials. And you know, that really glossy, high-end, like yeah. TBC stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, well, we don't do that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. go work somewhere that does. Yeah. We've got other people that want to make like, you know, like or like purely like strategy and social media and, and go into that. It's like, well, we're content first. Yes. So yeah. that's maybe not the way for us. Have you ever been tempted to go down? Because I know for me, there's temptations all the time to follow what other people are doing. Mm. And you, I, I know what you're saying, you've got to stay true to what, what you are. Yeah. Have you ever been tempted to go the commercial route, go to the social media route? Um, yes or no. Like I'll never, again, you need to adapt to what you said, yeah. but like, I'd never say never. Yeah. But it's one, I think we need to understand our limits. It's not our strong point. Yeah. Um, two, it's not of interest, to be honest. Uh, like TV, I don't know if you've ever worked in TV. It is yeah. insane. Yeah. How long things take. Yeah. How many people are involved. And like, we're not fans of that. Like, we like the quick, nimble, yeah, yeah. like, get stuck in. Yeah. We love that about digital. Mm. So on that one, not really, I'll be honest. 
jump forward a few years, I'll be, you know, <laughs> we didn't <laughs> selling doing everything it, to yeah. you. But, uh, and then the social side, like we, we do that. We do that, but like not, we, we wouldn't run every single element of a social channel now. Like we're purely yeah. the content first. So we work with other social agencies or brand themselves to provide them with the content. What would your advice be for like brand new, you know, me, you know, an 18 year old kid that wants to get into production, social first content? Like what's your advice for people getting into the industry? Because I can imagine it's far more saturated than when you first started, mm. especially that social first, it's content first, sorry, type content. Yeah, it's honestly, it's, it's so tough. I, I, I don't, it's tough. I want to offer like guidance, but in, in general, I have to say to people, yeah. have thick skin and just keep doing what you can. And I mean, that's so generic, but yeah, like yeah. go out and make your own content, mm. go out and make the stuff you want to do and send it to people and go, look, this is what I think I can offer you. Yeah. Like really be proactive with it. And I think yeah. like build up your own skills before going to, you know, try and jump in with like the, the, the big players big in the dog, game yeah. yeah but but also like going as a runner yeah and you will learn as well yeah, but yeah. also on the side don't just ju basically what i'm saying is don't just rely on running mm. and hope that you'll just work your way up no go do something just a little bit different and show what you can do and show off your skills to be able to like justify why you should be in a higher position what what was being i know we're jumping back a bit but what was being a runner like because i was never a runner but i um i was a a tour manager assistant on like music tours and it's very That's similar a, yeah, to tough gig that. it's late nights long days yeah. like i was saying to a few people who asked me what it was like i'd be like washing out protein shakers for band members once somebody pissed in a bucket and i had to run off stage wow. with it like there was all kind stuff that you just wouldn't get away with now yeah but we were in sri lanka so i'm not sure there was any kind of like <laughs> I don't know if there's any like laws against that or not yet but um what was it like like those days of just do you think that that gave you this resilience that mm. you needed? Because I'm, I'm assuming it's a tough job. It is like, it's, I actually loved it to be yeah. fair. Like looking back, I'm like, oh, that was easier. <laughs> that was a stress-free <laughs> life. I'll pick up a bucket of piss now, shall <laughs> if, anything, if anyone wants to know what running a business is like, we'd rather pick up a bucket yeah, of yeah, piss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not selling it, yeah, are no. we? <laughs> um, but we... Yeah, no, I, I loved it. But like, again, it came with its frustrations. Like yeah. I did used to look, again, not going to name any names at all, but like I did used to look at some of the, yeah. the more senior people and I'm thinking, oh, you did the same. It's yeah. like, oh, I can do that now. Yeah. yeah, It's a bit naive because like you probably can't and you probably don't understand what's going yeah. on in the operational side yeah, of what else yeah. they need to do to get there. <laughs> yeah. But like, oh, yeah, it was it was always frustrating. I think that was Ryan as well is his frustration in TV. Right. Like the, in TV, it's a very, very yeah. clear hierarchy. Like you'll be a camera assistant. For years. For years. Yeah. Like you won't even touch a camera yeah. on an actual, you know, you don't ever press record. Like yeah. that is the, like the DOP or, whatever, yeah. or whoever it is. Um, but then in digital, you can pick up a camera and go and shoot it yourself. Yeah, exactly. So it was like- Do you reckon you've instilled thing? that now in your company then? Because I know that from- it's not necessarily the work I did actually, but it was from seeing other talent agencies and I won't name names, but there's certain talent agencies where you're gonna be a talent assistant for four years mm. before you ever touch talent in terms yeah. of managing them. So when we started Outreach, I was one, we needed junior members of the team to progress quickly because nobody wanted to work with us in the yeah. beginning. But I've always wanted to make sure that people progress quickly because they deserve it if they're you know working hard. Do you have that in your agency then? Because you've seen that I guess stagnation in roles. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I think there's obviously a hierarchy for a reason. Yeah, but it, I only look at it in terms of like reporting reasons. Yes, like, right. that's who you report into. Yeah, that's yeah. who's going to mentor you. I see it like that. Yeah, hold the one to ones and you know help with training, etc. But I still want to give like even a junior, say editor, some of the bigger edits to do. Yeah, because that's how you learn. Yeah. Like you literally like without saying a throw of one at the deep end, but you, like sometimes you you do you have to, but yeah. for a reason. Yeah, and like I instill that in everyone. Like you just got to go outside your comfort zone to grow. Yeah, and you will get the people that are just happy plodding along and doing what they do. Like that's absolutely fine because they can be great at that level. Yeah, people don't always want to progress. I think that's yeah. what you got to realize as yeah. well. But um, yeah, I try, try and instill that culture. I think it's like a, a trying to get a culture in of we expect the best from you, but it's okay to get stuff wrong and mm. mess up. Like I had a catch up with one of the team members yesterday and it was funny because her line manager was in the meeting and her line manager is one of our first employees. And she was saying, I distinctly remember Emilio and Amy saying, please just go make a decision. 
And if you get it wrong, you get it wrong. Mm. And that's what you've got to kind of instill in people because if yeah. not, they just will not take a chance. Oh, no. And, and like the worst thing I think I probably did, mm. and this is one of my regrets actually, yeah. is like trying to hold on to too much and not doing that. Yeah. At, in the early stages yeah. what trying to do too much within the business yeah or like not i, I won't say i weren't letting people have yeah. decisions but i wanted things run by me just because yeah. i was a bit of yeah. like back then it was like this is my baby well, especially like, when it's self-funded and you're like yeah you know, every little decision here costs you know the pennies and all that kind of stuff yeah, exactly it's, it's hard to pass it on to people yeah but now i'm so different yeah. like it, i like I'm, I'm taking that as well i'm nicking that like yeah, yeah <laughs> you're yeah. to make mistakes yeah. but like it's um yeah let people have like clear roles responsibilities that's what i learned like that you you have to be so clear with yeah, that yeah. and the thing is with mistakes like if it's you know if their responsibility to go and negotiate etc and they, they mm. muck it up right it's yeah. like well, did you purposefully do it? Yeah. No. But did you do Obviously it seven not. times? Or did it, seven yeah. times is a bit like, all right, right. you're probably not Something, great. Something's, something's not wrong here. Yeah. But like, if you didn't mean to do something, yeah. human error, fine. Exactly. Well, you can, you'll learn from that. You've also got to look at yourself and your more senior management line managers, whoever they are, and say, are you training these people well mm. enough? Because yeah. nine times out of 10, people are making mistakes because they don't know what they're doing, not because they want to jeopardize the company yeah, in any I mean, way. It's very rare you'll get someone. You, you do get people like that. I've heard some horror stories, but uh, yeah, most time people don't yeah well, they're not going to do it on purpose are they let's be honest <laughs> no mate they're not they're, they're not how how do you keep because i'm always fascinated to speak to other business owners about this how do you keep on top of just the because i said to you earlier today have you had a busy week you're mm. like yes <laughs> i was like do you ever have a quiet week and you're like no how do you stay on top of things how do you stay level-headed because I think the best business owners are those that can go into their office and just seem chilled constantly. Yeah. You don't want to come in being like, fuck, everything's going to shit. Mm. Even though in your head, you might be thinking it. Like, how do you, like, what's your mindset like day to day? Uh, mate, like th this is probably a bit of a deeper one for me. Yeah. Like, I, like I have, um, not that I'm going to start feeling, you know, feel sorry for it. It's definitely not. No, no. But like, I've, I've been through some rough times and yeah. it's that, mate, going in and going, and everyone like yeah. that for me is so hard to do yeah and that i think has been the biggest challenge actually right. as running a business yeah you can have the worst meeting in one room mm. and you walk out to like the floor to everyone and you're like oh happy 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 yeah, yeah. i've really struggled with that so I, do, I i don't think i can give an honest answer to that because i still struggle with that myself and i don't yeah. think that will change and i know ryan does it as well like it's not just a me thing and i'm, I'm guessing like you you know you've been through some things and you've got up on the front yeah but, but I, I don't like I, honestly i can't even answer that because i'm just like it's, it's a good answer though to, to say like you're still you still struggle with it and and it's maybe there isn't a great answer to it you just have to put on a brave face yeah i think like it yeah just brave face and mm. it's it's weird like i feel like you're i don't know like the good things that used to happen back in the day you'd yeah. be celebrating the bad things you'd like yeah. want to cry yeah i do feel like i just sort of like level out now yeah and it's yeah. horrible like you almost become like numb to numb. it yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's like the good things that yeah i know what you mean because i one of my my more senior talent managers has asked me a few times kind of like do you have good days bad days and i was just like no i've got days and there's good and bad in all of oh, them that's it and then and then you just get on with it but you saying kind of you feel a bit numb it's so true because I remember the first ever deal we got and I think we made like 40 quid. Mm. We made like 20% off a 200 pound deal and yeah. we were running around my kitchen. Like, like, we fucking made money. Because <laughs> it was the first time I'd ever made money. Yeah. Whereas now like we get a deal in and this isn't to say like I understand, I get it that I don't want to come across in a, especially in a cost of living crisis acting like we mm. don't care about money but there's a lot more costs now. It's not like everything profit. Mm -hmm. So but like we get bigger deals in now and it doesn't excite me as much as those early days. And sometimes I wish I could just go back and be like, I just want to go back to that time where it's- Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah. It's tough, yeah. You just, it, sadly, it, yeah. I think again, naivety, starting a business. Yeah. Sadly, it becomes just numbers. Yeah. Like when you get a deal, yeah. it's not like, you're buzzing to make the content for us. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we want to go and make that content, but I'm not as attached to that anymore. So it's just like, right, that is going to cover this payroll and this rent yeah. and then this, 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 like, it just becomes that. It takes, I think, and that's what I'm trying to say is that I don't care. It's not that I don't care about the money. It's I care more about when I sign a big yeah. talent or I sign a, or I get to work on a big project or one of my team members starts to do really well and they're all buzzing about themselves doing well. I get more excited about that. 
the number side of it that used to be exciting mm. is now just an operational headache yeah, yeah. you've got to put yeah. up with all the time yeah no it's tough and i think like it's good that you have these conversations as well but yeah. you do realize everyone is going through it yeah i think you'll get some like business owners that will just never admit that because they are doing that hard face yeah, yeah, yeah. the hard face thing all the time but i i find i'm wary of those people and that's damaging yeah man like i want to do more to talk about it yeah and I've, I've even spoke about putting together like a bit of a community thing and yeah. offer like mentorship and thing, not me personally, but other yeah. people as well. Yeah. Mentorship to entrepreneurs because there is like zero support. No. At all. And it's probably, and it's, aside from your co-founder, it's probably the one of the loneliest places oh. to be. Yeah. Because even if you're working within a company, there's loads of people at your level that are going through the same thing. Like when you're running a business and I don't want to do the whole crying CEO thing, but mm. like there isn't that support. And that group that we're in, that WhatsApp mm. group is actually quite comforting sometimes because yeah. some of the stuff that goes in there is more like, it could seem small, but I'm just, sometimes I'm just like, I'm just glad that you're going through that as well. <laughs> not glad, but like, I'm just like glad to hear that I'm not, because sometimes I go to sleep or I'm thinking about the business. I'm like, am I just being petty here? Or am I just like mm -hmm. overreacting? But it's probably not. You're just going through what every business owner has probably ever gone through. Yeah, and I think you're quite siloed in terms of like, you think that what's happening to you is the worst thing ever. <laughs> yeah. And like at the time yeah, it feels yeah. like, why me? Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, you go into that group and you're like, oh, they've just literally had exactly the yeah. same thing happen. Yeah. Like, it's just, I think when you're inside a business, it feels like a yeah. like an us problem. Yeah. But then actually, if you look at every single one of your competitors, they're going through guarantee this. they're all going through the same but it depends how you know your tinted glass rose tinted glasses it's like what what would you want to show to the yeah. outside i am wary of those business owners that always say everything's going great because i'm like there's no way there's always something there's got to there's be there's always something like every day i go home and i'm like amy this happened but this happened as well yeah so it's yeah, like, yeah yeah talk to, going back to one of the questions i wanted to ask you about is what's it like now working with these huge brands and huge creators like, cause you've done all the foot asylum stuff, the locked in stuff. Like, what is that like? Oh mate, like that, them for one have been like a blessing for us. Like they, they've allowed us to just like express what we actually yeah. want to do. Like they're, they're essentially our business model now. Like mm. we use that and it's like, right, let's replicate that to yeah. other, other businesses. Um, yeah, it's great. It's like basically what we wanted to do at the beginning was what we're doing now. It's just, we didn't have the budgets. <laughs> now it's like, well, we got a bit more to play with because yeah, people yeah. actually have trust and we'll spend more. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love it. Like when we, like you said, like when, when you win a big deal now, it's like, yeah, like you get to work with these. these how, how hard is it to replicate that though? Like replicate the foot asylum model because obviously that's, that's what you try and do, but surely that's, it's very niche to that one brand now. Yeah, it is. It, it's finding like, it can't all be the same. When I say take the model, it's not yeah. like take those types yeah. of videos and do it everywhere. It's like yeah. what works for your brand. And that's yeah. like the challenging part. It's like, it, yeah. it, hands down, it will not work for everyone. Mm. Like, and that's why like you're the perfect person to speak to. Like that's why sometimes just product focused, mm. influencers, creators going that route yeah. will sell your product more. Yeah, You should admit that. That's fine. But then there's other brands where it's like, well, what we do is like build up your actual brand image and you yeah. get like a cult following yeah. and actual fans of the brand. That's what I say. They're not just like consumers, they become fans. Mm. And that's what we try to do. And yeah. we've, you know, we've done it a lot. It's foot signs probably like the one that everyone kind of knows. Yeah. But we've done it with a lot of other brands as yeah. well. Not to the extent of like that just yet, but they are like the best, I'd yeah. say, in the industry. But No, I, I think the, the model and the concepts and everything because there are a lot of brands trying to replicate it. Just not, not even people you're working with mm. right now, but just people going, that foot asylum model's sick, isn't it? Like, look what mm. they've done. They've created that brand. But it isn't as easy as just finding a filly and just, you know, oh, do you know what I mean? Like, tough, they're man. one in a billion. Yeah, it, it's really tough and it takes ages. I think, like, if you're a brand and you want it overnight, I'll hold my hands up and say, we are not the people for you. No. Like, it's no. really not. It's a longer term plan. No. Yeah. But the results are much higher. Yeah eventually it's just having people trust in that's that. anything in social or like, it's the same thing on our influencer side is that when any time a brand comes to us and you know we'll if, if it's not for us to re reject one-off deals for creators we still take it to them if they want to do it they can do it but that is not the way to build your influencer program no. you have to do it over time with the same creators and those brands that come in and they're like we've never done influencer we want to do one tiktok and we expect this and you're just like it's just never gonna work no. like, it's hard it's, and i understand it because budgets are tight but it's hard for people to buy into a long-term strategy sometimes really is and like the, the thing is with with what we do let's just 
take that model right yeah. of building up like your let's just take youtube because yeah. it's just the easiest one but yeah. like overnight mm. this is the honest answer you'll be lucky to get a thousand views in your first video yeah like very lucky yeah even with big talent yeah but it's all that exponential growth yeah. after that. So I think some brands look at it and go, that's mm. embarrassing. Like I can't go back to our CMO and go, got a thousand views. It's like, yeah, but it's it's, yeah. it's a different audience. Yeah. Like they, those are like 1,000 fans. Mm. And then you build that fan base up. Yeah. And then when you it comes to selling, mm. it's easy. Yeah. The conversion rate is through the roof. Yeah, it's so much higher. Yeah. It's actually really interesting you should say that because and I think a lot of the creators on our roster will, will appreciate this conversation because we have a lot of short form video creators, so TikTokers primarily. And when a lot of them go onto YouTube, they get disheartened because they're making a long form video, which takes mm. 10 times longer than their TikTok. Yeah. And then it gets 400 views and they're like, fuck this, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. And we always are wanting to say to them and we do say to them is you've got to commit to it if you're not committing to it for at least a year, mm -hmm. regularly, consistently, you, like it might take you a couple of years before this pops off. Oh, mate, it's, YouTube is a different ball game yeah. altogether. Yeah. But one, like your like on TikTok, like the algorithm will serve up your videos to yeah. so many people. Yeah. YouTube's algorithm, it, if it like it will just basically if it goes to one audience and they don't like it, that's it. Stop. Yeah. Like it won't keep spreading like it does with like yeah. TikTok. Yeah. So you really need to get like that, that build up that core audience first. Yeah. Get them to engage in your videos. Yeah. And then it will spread further. How have you found shorts change? Is it changed that for you in any way? Uh, yes and no. It's with me. Shorts. Yeah. Please, Still please YouTube, talk to me. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand I don't, it. I don't understand Because it. we've got creators getting millions of views on yeah, their shorts. Know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and yet, like, the 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 numbers on their long form have just sustained like and they were oh, decent yeah. it's not come over but that's not that goes for a lot of creators on our roster like we've got creators that have got like 100k now on on youtube and if three months ago they had nothing all through shorts their, their long form just doesn't yeah it doesn't shift i think um I th it's the way in which people consume content though yeah like when you're on tiktok for an example mm. when you see a video yeah, I don't know, you might be different, but like, I think it's quite rare to click through to their actual profile and then go through all their videos and then follow. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's the same for YouTube, yeah. but there isn't a click through, like a clear click through yeah. to sub yeah. or watch their long video, which they are, I know that I know, they are yeah, rolling that out. Yeah, Ben was saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. they're rolling that out. Yeah. So it w I think it will start linking up. Yeah, it I needs, think it will it correlate. Needs to, because if they're really gonna, if YouTube wanna, pull over those short form creators long-term, they're gonna need to do that. Yeah. Because the CPM rates are too low on the shorts mm -hmm. for them to actually, oh, it's, it's somebody the other day, like had, I saw like had like millions and millions of views on a video and they made like a hundred quid or something. And you're just like. <laughs> Imagine that long form. I know, right. <laughs> and that's, and that's what I like, I heard like KSI talk, it's probably a bad example right now, but I heard KSI talk about the, um, the TikTok creator fund. And he was like, I got like 50 million views this month when I made 30 quid or something. Oh, to him, just, that is just, literally no point. What's the point? <laughs> like, yeah. what is the point? He's made like millions in a boxing fight. Yeah, I'm yeah, gonna, yeah. I'm just going to go box. Yeah, exactly. Um, what's your favorite project that you've ever worked on? Poor. Mm. Oh, worked on a couple of really good ones. I think Locked In. Yeah. Which is incredible. Again, I'll keep going yeah. back to foot side up again. But locked in, if we could one, it's basically it's everything that we set out to do. Yeah, right. It was like, how can we make longer form content for brands? Yeah, Ryan's background was TV, mine yeah. was production and social, and that is the perfect combination. For those that don't know, it's yeah. a reality show on YouTube. Yeah, and it's the first of its kind. Like people vote. Yeah, it's quality in comments. Yeah, yeah. You can vote on what happens in the house. Yeah, like. Not like Big Brother-esque. No. It's like you can actually comment and the next day we will change something in the house, depending on it. And then we play yeah. comments into the house and stuff. So I think that was that was a fun one and it's a beast as well. Like the actual mm. production is huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I can like imagine. If you go down to set, it's just like a production village and it's cool. Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. And we live there and pretty much play real life Sims for two weeks. <laughs> That is so weird. You're like a puppet master, aren't you? Yeah, it's great yeah. fun. <laughs> it's great fun. Have you ever had any like, 
is it difficult to, because it, it's mainly pretty well-known creators that end up going in there, right? Mm. Is it is it ever been difficult to negotiate those different personalities in the house? No, I mean, that's part of it. Part of the Like, we don't, like, we, right, so the, the difference is between, like, us and, say, Big Brother. Big yeah. Brother want people to argue all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah, We are the complete opposite. Right. One, we work for a brand. We want to stay really positive. Yeah. But two, it just, like, I want people to watch it and actually feel stress-free rather than like you know like big brother you like so causes true. you anxiety when there's arguments <laughs> like you've well into it yeah or like uh love island yeah, like was, yeah. you love the arguments yeah, yeah but we, we we don't make that it's right. all positive so we just try and put good people in there yeah just good hearted people yeah, yeah. i think that that's our kind of like yeah. that's our our level no type of people we put in and then it's just let them be yeah. And we really do not orchestrate that show much. Yeah. I say about being a puppet master, like <laughs> mucking about it's like you, you put them in scenarios. Yeah. I want to give away too many secrets of the show, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you should, then you just let them be. Yeah. Have you got any more plans to scale that? This, well, we got another series. Yeah. This year. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you, yeah. We'll see. Yeah, there is. There's there good is plans. There's a, you know what it is? It's, um, it's learning from everything that's worked in the past yeah. and then just coming up with wild ideas yeah, yeah. To, to move forward. But like, what we try and do as well, which is another good model, it's like taking the formats that work on the channel mm. and building them into the house as well. So yeah. you have some sort of familiarity. Yeah. And also the people that watch Locked In, yeah. they then will actually follow the channel and watch the rest of the content. Yeah. Because that's what's mad about Locked In. It brings another audience. Yeah. Like, cause we've got 10 yeah, different yeah. creators and you bring all of their audience across. Yeah. Which is nuts. It's genius, mate. It's a genius idea, which I can't believe no one else has ever really done it properly. I know. I know they've had like... Um, it's been like creator houses. Yeah, you know, there's like, a lot of them. Where they've been living together, but that none of them really worked out for the best. No, no, like it, it, it's so good. And I mean, yeah. like I won't get into their actual numbers, but like the yeah. ROI on it is good. It's insane. Like organic views on it. And then the repeat after that is, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's insane. And people, it's like, one of, again, it's it's creating its own brand because people are like locked in back. Mm. Like, and that's, so you've almost created, like, as I say, a brand new brand out of that whole thing. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, no, it has. It yeah. has. Like, there's so much more we can do with it as well, yeah. and we will yeah. uh, moving forward. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it is. Like, you could separate that on a different channel, and it would still do numbers. Yeah. Like, that does a million per app organically. Wow. And that's just YouTube. Yeah. Like, that's not across any of the talent's socials. That's not across any of Foot Asylum socials. And plus... That's mad. That the earned media you get off the back of it. So like, I can't explain to you how many meme pages <laughs> then take content from it and put it elsewhere as well. Yeah. And Footsal, I'm happy with that. It's earned. Yeah. People make memes out of it, gifs out of it, yeah, yeah. Put clips. Like it's just like it's built its own little following. That's sick, mate. Yeah. Um, mate, final question that mm -hmm. I've got for you is, what's your? And I, I'm asking this to basically everybody. What's your biggest lesson? in terms of running a business and being an entrepreneur and starting a business, what's your biggest lesson and takeaway that you would tell the next, you know, young entrepreneur that's wanting to start a business tomorrow? Hmm, tough question. There's loads. Um, look after yourself as much as other people. I like that. Yeah, I think you can, you can get caught up and it's a great thing to do. You've got to look after your team. Yeah. But if you are not in the best place, yeah. it's me, I don't want to get like no, too, no. too deep. But that is so important because yeah. if you, you aren't on top form, you can't give everyone else support. So yeah. that. It's like putting your uh, your own air mask on on the plane before somebody else is. Exactly. I love that. Exactly. All right, nice one, mate. Thank you so much for coming on, mate. Oh, thank you, mate. I can see you for another hour. That was yeah, good. No. Right, Cheers, nice, mate. Cheers, mate. That's not nice.